0: Atlassian.
1: That's right. Bear down Bears fans, it's time for another edition of of the Chicago Bears podcast Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you, and ho 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 ho, Bears fans. Where to begin about the New York Jets' pummeling of the Chicago Bears? That was an ugly one. Interesting guest today. We're going to be joined by none other Bears fans. Then Peter Bukowski, yes, that Peter Bukowski, the Green Bay Packers reporter and Chicago Bears fan troll. He will be by. We will absolutely ask him why he is obsessed with trolling the Bears fans and all the Bears struggles and loves to just pile on there. We will ask him about that, but we will ask him about Aaron Rodgers. We will ask him about why the Packers stink this year. We will get into all of it with Peter Bukowski, so you don't want to miss that one. He's going to be by here in just a little bit. But before we talk to Peter, let's get into the conversation about the New York Jets football team's annihilation of the Chicago Bears, and not just annihilating the Chicago Bears, but doing it with a quarterback who when the season started was the New York Jets third stringer, uh, eventually jumped Joe Flacco for that coveted QB2 spot. And then when Zach Wilson, <clears throat> the bed, then Mike White comes into the game and makes himself look like Joe Montana, dicing up the Chicago Bears secondary and overall just making the Bears look pathetic. Now. Here's what I have to say about this game. And yet, was it ugly? Is there anything really to watch? If Justin Fields continues to, to sit, which based on what I saw against the New York Jets, there is zero reason to play him against the Green Bay Packers. That is just setting him up for being beaten up and abused. So let's let's just, you know, get that on the table right now. He should not play this week against the Green Bay Packers, but we'll we'll wait and see on that one. But what we know now about this Chicago Bears team is that the pundits, right, these these brilliant NFL pundits, and I know there are some brilliant NFL pundits, but then there are some other brilliant NFL pundits who wanted to criticize Justin Fields for his style of play and for the fact that he can't throw and all these problems that Justin Fields is because they don't want to see the fact that the NFL may just be evolving and that it may just be the fact that they're not ready for a new style of quarterback. And yes, is a running quarterback like the offense they're running around Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, these type of offenses where there are design runs from the quarterback and the quarterback is a key part of the running game and not just the passing game, are there some drawbacks there about taking hits and potential injuries? Sure, we we understand that. But dual threat quarterbacks are just going to become more and more prevalent. And now you're hearing some of the smarter NFL pundits and analysts going, is that the wave of the future? If you are saddled with a non-running quarterback, even a great one like Joe Burrow in five, six, seven years, is, are, are the Bengals going to be at a detriment because Joe Burrow is not mobile? It's interesting to see what kind of direction the NFL continues to go because every one of these young quarterbacks that has success for the most part is a mobile quarterback. I mean, even if it's not at the point of a Jalen Hurts or a Justin Fields, it's a Daniel Jones who who's very mobile and, and may not have quite as many design runs, but he's still, his legs are a key part of, of the Giants offense. So Maybe, perhaps, instead of just complaining that Justin Fields isn't a quarterback, he's a running back, all that BS that they wanted to spew, maybe now they can look and go, well, Trevor Simeon threw the football 25 times and and drove them down the field to start the game and then did nothing but get a field goal because the offense was embarrassingly inept. They gave the Jets good field position multiple times. The Jets took advantage. And the fact that, that, that Justin Fields did not play, this offense went from a 30-point-per-game offense, like it's been doing the last month plus, to an inept 10-point pathetic performance. So how about, how about we just take a step back and go, maybe Justin Fields is good for the Chicago Bears in the offense, just maybe in some wild conspiracy. The Chicago Bears have a, a an athletic quarterback who can hurt you with both his legs and his arm. And oh my goodness, what kind of shocking, shocking development could we have that maybe, just maybe, This could be the wave of the future, and we may see more quarterbacks like this, and some of these pundits better wake up and understand that their Dan Marino NFL may be a thing of the past. Now, everything's cyclical, things could come back, who knows what's going to happen, but instead of just criticizing Justin Fields, maybe some of these people should look at what Justin Fields brings to an offense, because... Anyone who watched that Jets game with Trevor Simeons should sit there and go, yeah, this isn't about throwing the football. This is about Justin Fields and his talent. So that game was eye-opening for me. I mean, look, it's not like we haven't said that on this podcast. It's not like hundreds and thousands of Bears fans haven't said that already. But it it, it was eye-opening to the point that how much of an impact he has had on this offense. I mean, he is literally carrying 10 inept football players. All right, Tevin Jenkins. Nine inept football players on his back. And that's what's going on right now. And yes, because Darnell Mooney's hurt. Fine, you you get the point. Now, while we're talking about Justin Fields, because I thought about this earlier today, I'm going to take a minute and I am going to say thank you to now, I'm not going to say thank you to Matt Eberflus. I'm not going to say thank you to Luke Getzey or Ryan Poles or even Ryan Pace for drafting Justin Fields or any of the people you might sit there and say thank you. You know I'm, uh, yeah. who I'm going to say thank you to? Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks. Thank you, Pete, for saving the Chicago Bears franchise. Thank you, Pete Carroll, for saving us for what would have been the most Chicago Bears move ever. Thank you, Pete Carroll, for leaving the Chicago Bears in a position where they needed to draft a quarterback and they went up and Ryan Pace drafted Justin Fields. That is a big old thank you to Pete Carroll. Now, maybe some of you have realized what I'm talking about. Maybe some of you haven't. So let me take a minute to explain. As we know, We wind the clock back about two years, not not quite, good old George McCaskey said, you know what, Ryan Pace, you know what, Matt Nagy, I'm going to give you one more year. I'm going to give you one more year to not only make the playoffs, but to fix the quarterback woes that have wrecked this franchise. And because Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy got to keep their jobs, they said, you got it, George. That's exactly what we're doing. We're gonna make the playoffs and we're gonna fix the quarterback situation. Now, anyone who knows anything about football, and unfortunately George McCaskey doesn't, would understand that you most likely cannot fix the quarterback situation and not be in a rebuilding situation. Like you'd have to, to do that, you'd have to go out and get a franchise quarterback. Go trade for a franchise quarterback so you can invest into him and put him on this team with a good defense and Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson and all this, and, and make this team take that next step that they thought they would after 2018. That's what George McCaskey wanted. So Ryan Pace made a lot of phone calls. He was aggressive that off. So he called the Raiders, said, what about Derek Carr? He called the Eagles maybe not quite as much as as people were reporting, but he called the Eagles and said, what about Carson Wentz? He called and called and called. Then he called John Schneider, the Seattle Seahawks general manager said, what do you think about Russ cooking in Chicago? John Schneider said, I'm not hanging up the phone. And they talked and Ryan Pace made an offer, a strong offer with those multiple first-round picks and a lot of other stuff that he was willing to trade to the Seattle Seahawks for Russ Wilson. And you know what John Schneider said? I like this offer. Let me go run it up the flagpole. Because John Schneider, because the Seattle Seahawks are one of those franchises where the head coach does not just report to the general manager. The head coach is more of the boss. Kind of like Andy Reid in Kansas City, Bill Belichick in New England, And that is what Pete Carroll is in Seattle. So John Schneider goes to Pete Carroll and says, Pete, we can trade Russell Wilson for all this. And Russell Wilson goes, well, who's going to, and Pete Carroll goes, who's going to be my quarterback? So, oh, we can figure that out. No, 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 no. I'm 70 years old. I need a quarterback. And John Schneider goes, well, we're going to have to figure that out. We are not trading Russ with no path to a quarterback. Veto. And Pete Carroll vetoed that trade. Because how Chicago Bears would it have been to give Russell Wilson the moon and to have him play quarterback like he's playing for the Denver Broncos for the Chicago Bears, where they would have lost multiple first-round picks. They would have had an aging quarterback with hundreds of millions of dollars invested into him and nothing to show for it but a terrible record because they would have had an inept offense. And potentially, I don't know what would have happened with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. I don't know what would have happened, how all this fallout would have been, because obviously this would have happened a year prior to this Broncos situation. And and Russ was a little better last year, but I'll be honest, there were a lot of signs last year that Russ was fading. And a lot of people wanted to blame, you know, some injuries and hasn't been a hundred percent. And there were reasons for it, but There were some people going, this isn't the same Russell Wilson. And nobody really paid attention because, hey, everyone's allowed to have a down year. But the slide started last year and the bottom out is is this year. And now it's a scene out of draft day. I don't know if you saw the report that Russell Wilson threw a birthday party and not a lot of his teammates showed up. It is (laughs) absolutely... Reality draft day and Bo Callahan is now a reality in Denver. Hey, Russ went to Wisconsin. So so who knows about the ties that there might be there. That is unbelievable that Pete Carroll saved the Chicago Bears from this disaster that Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos have done. Because the Broncos, let's be honest here, that franchise. They have set themselves back years. They gave him, what, $160 million. They Nathaniel Hackett, he's got to go after a year. New ownership's going to come in and have to, what, pay Nathaniel Hackett, what, $25, 30000000 million to go away and not coach for four years? They've got all this money invested in Russell Wilson. He's going to have to be the quarterback next year. You've got way, what, his dead cap's like obscene. He has to be the quarterback next year. It's Unbelievable how screwed the Broncos are, and that would have been the Chicago Bears. And thank goodness it is not. We don't have Russell Wilson in the debacle of the Denver Broncos. We, as Chicago Bears fans, have Justin Fields. And after watching what just happened against the New York Jets, we know just how special Justin Fields is. And we know that Justin Fields is only scratching the surface. So wanted to get that off my chest. Let's talk about the injuries here. Brutal injuries to to this team. Eddie Jackson and Darnell Mooney, both, what, top five players on this team out for the year. And the more that this happens, the more we sit here. Brisker and Gordon, as we speak, are still sitting in concussion protocol and not practicing. Eddie Jackson is gone. There's injuries to Darnell Mooney. Chase Claypool, maybe it's minor, but Chase Claypool, limited in practice with a knee. This offensive line now, you know, Borum's, you know, banged up. Reef's banged up. At some point, you have to sit here and go, should we play Justin Fields even if he's healthy? Now, I'm sure they will. You know, it may not be against Green Bay, and then he gets the bye week, and maybe he rests up a little bit and feels a little better. But this is, it's getting to the point where it's dangerous to put Justin Fields out there. The offensive line was one of the worst in the league, and now it's going to be potentially down more players. I mean, Lucas Patrick's already out for the year, not that he's any good, but eventually, you know, Lucas Patrick was ahead of people on the depth chart, and eventually these people are going to come up, you know, they they don't have enough. Alex Leatherwood, we're finally going to see him out there. Maybe he can play, maybe he can't, but they don't have bodies to put in front of Justin Fields to protect him. They don't. And without Darnell Mooney and now a banged up Chase Claypool, there's even less people for Justin Fields to throw to. So what is he going to do? No one's going to get open. He's going to hold the ball too long. It's dangerous. There is so little talent out there. Khalil Herbert's not there to help the running game. There is so little talent on this offensive side of the ball right now that it's just not safe to have Justin Fields out there. It really isn't. So they should, if they got half brain up there at Hallis Hall, really slow play this. You want to play the limited game all week and he's game time decision, whatever, fine. Do not play him against the Packers. Rest him. And he if he plays against Buffalo and Philly after the bye, he better be 100% or damn near close. If you roll out a 75, 80% Justin Fields and put some shots in his shoulder so it doesn't hurt as much, I'm going to be pissed off. There's no point for that. We can sit here as Bears fans and go, this is a lost season. They should just tank for the best pick possible. Currently sitting at number two. If they lose out, I believe they can't do any worse than number three. So keep that in mind. But that's not how Matt Eberflus and Ryan, they're going to want to try and win football games. I'm not asking them to throw out Nathan Peterman and not try. I mean, I'd love to see it, but I understand they need to be competitive. But you got to make sure you protect Justin Fields. You have to. It's not worth it under any means with what's left of this roster scraping through the end of the season. They've got to keep him safe. And I don't know if they can with the lack of talent on the offensive line and at the skill positions right now. Now, Eddie Jackson's out for the year. They may not have Brisker and Gordon. That secondary is going to get humiliated by Aaron Rodgers, just absolutely humiliated. But, you know, hey, are we anything really expecting Aaron Rodgers to struggle against the Chicago Bears? He, he could barely move. And he is going to make sure he, he could amputate his hand because his thumb is so bad. And he will left armed. He will throw for three hundred yards against us. It's it's not even a question in my mind. The Packers will destroy the Chicago Bears like they always do. And there's no point to subject Justin Fields to that. Just let the backups play. Let them get rolled. Give the Packers their fifth win, so the Bears can't you know possibly jump them in the standings. And let's move on. Now, the other thing I just want to say is I didn't really care to watch the ball much against the Jets, so I focused even more than usual on the offensive line. And when I watched the game for the first time, I would say in about 90% of pass plays, I watched Tevin, I'm sorry, 90% of all all the offensive plays, I watched Tevin Jenkins. Because watching Tevin Jenkins, when you're a former offensive lineman like I was way long, 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 long time ago, Tevin Jenkins is fun. He is a fun football player. He is developed into a dynamic guard who is an absolute bruiser and a mauler. And he dominates the line of scrimmage. And I mean dominates. And I'm not saying he's perfect. Yes, he, he has some flaws. But he, on runs, I mean, he pancake after pancake after pancake, it is a beautiful thing to see. And not only on run plays, now you're seeing him develop In the passing game, you know, sure, sometimes he just engages and and there's no excitement there. But there's one thing that you always hear about offensive linemen in the pass game, and that's looking for work. And what that means is when the pass rush is set, maybe they're not sending five, six guys, they're just sending four, maybe they're even further back and they're only sending three. And you set back and you look at your gap or or your man, wherever you're supposed to be, and you don't have an assignment because there's simply you got five or six blockers coming, you don't have enough rushes. So at that point, your head goes on a swivel and you're looking right and you're looking left. You're looking at your your fellow line mates and going, does somebody need some help? Who's engaged? What can I do? You'll see that happen. If Tevin Jenkins does not have an assignment, that head is immediately on a swivel. And when he gets an opportunity to help out one of his line mates, he explodes into that defender with the amount of force that just knocks them sideways and it, like, like a freight train hit them and they weren't even paying attention. It is fun and, and look, it looks like he's gonna have some health issues moving forward. He had the hip issue here. You know, we know he's got a back problem. He he probably not gonna have a lot of ga- seasons where he plays 17 games. There's probably gonna be seasons where he only plays seven, eight games. There's gonna be see- a lot of seasons where I'm guessing he plays 13, 14, 15 games. Cause of that like something like that hip, where he's just gonna have to get shut down for a few weeks. Maybe his back, you know, overwhelms and he's gonna have to shut it down for a week or two. I think that's gonna be a consistent problem for him. But it doesn't matter. This is a guy who needs to be a part of this franchise moving forward. And I know I had Lawrence Holmes on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, and Lawrence kind of was referencing what happened in August and going, maybe he's not. If Ryan Poles is worthy of this job he understands that Tevin Jenkins is part of his future. You know, when you assess this, maybe he didn't know that, you know, when when he came in, in January. But what Tevin Jenkins has done, and only in his second year, he's got another year, full year, before you even have to worry about potentially doing an extension. Tevin Jenkins is one of just a handful of players that Ryan Paul should have circled on his big board in his office and say, this guy... When we contend in a few years, this guy's part of our offensive line. He is fun to watch. All right, I have babbled enough. Let's take a quick break. And when we return, it'll be Peter Bukowski and yours truly chopping it up about the Bears and Packers. This is Bears Banter, Bill Zimmerman. We'll be right
0: back. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.
2: Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. all
1: right welcome back into the podcast this should be a fun guest here coming up uh maybe some bears fans are upset i'm giving him a platform because i think (laughs) he's become one of the top chicago bears twitter trolls out there he is he covers the green bay packers for locked on he is the host of locked on packers and the national locked on sports daily show for them as well he is peter Bukowski. that's at Peter underscore Bukowski, if you didn't follow him on Twitter or watch him on Twitter already. But Bears fans, I'm guessing you already do. And he joins us now. Peter, Bill Zimmerman, how are you
2: doing? Oh, come on. They know where to find me on Twitter.
1: Oh, (laughs) I'm sure they do. I'm sure plenty of listeners to this podcast have have spewed plenty of hate your way. Uh, So let's start with a little bit of the trolling. You know, I I think you do it all all in good fun. I think you definitely know how to push buttons and, and irk Bears fans. So being like, I'm just going to speak honestly here, being the Packers have dominated this um, uh, this rivalry here for decades at this
2: point. Why do you do it? <laughs> um, I, well, number one, because it's fun. Um, <laughs> but I think number two, I think um, if it were reversed, I would, I think I would want the, the Bears... Uh, you know, if whatever the Bears version of me is, I don't know, you know, who that is or or that there are a lot, I, I follow a lot of Bears Media people. Um, but because the the relationship in this rivalry has been so one-sided, I don't I don't think there is like they just haven't had the opportunity, right, to do it the same way that I have. Um, I would want them to to make it fun. That that's what I try and do. I try and make it fun. And for the people who are sort of in on the joke, um, then let's have fun. And I I always want to talk football. If you want to have an earnest football conversation, let's have one. Um, But it is funny to me that when I throw some of this chum in the water, uh, that is just so obviously that, that there are so many people who respond so crazily. And I I, like that. That's the part that is kind of fun to me to just sort of like, Hey, let's just, let's just rile up bears fans a little bit here. Um, Not with a take that is necessarily like, Something I don't believe, but just like let's throw out a stat that isn't really that important, but I know we'll get Bears fans riled up. Like, yeah, I I do that. It's fun. It's part of the rivalry. I don't do it to you know the Cardinals because who cares? Yeah,
1: I, I hear you. All right, now, now now let me ask you this, and we're going to get into the whole quarterbacks for for both teams because there's there's a lot going on. I think with both teams, it's interesting. But um if and I understand it's an if, if Justin Fields is the guy that Bears fans are hoping he's he's going to become, and if Aaron Rodgers is gone this year, next year, whatever it is, and Jordan Love isn't great. And the rivalry switches back to where it was in the 1980s, where the Bears had the dominant control there for for a lot of years. Are you prepared for the avalanche (laughs) that you are going to get? Will your Twitter account stay active when you get this avalanche, this barrage that Bears fans, I guarantee, will throw your direction?
2: Oh, I mean, look, I I get – you know, mentions when, when the Bears lose, but Justin Fields has 170 yards rushing. Like, so I, I understand what it will look like if and when the Bears flip this rivalry back and they will, right? Like, that's just how this works. It's cyclical. If you wait long enough, the worm will turn. It will come back around. And as you were laying that out, I was going, well, I might have to delete Twitter. Like, it just, it, you know, <laughs> jokingly, um, I, I don't think I will. I think, you know, then, then it will be on me to try and find other ways to um, engage not just the Bears fan base, but the Packers fan base. I mean, I think that makes it right now. My job, at least for the last couple of years, has been relatively straightforward. And in, in some ways, I relish seasons like this one to say, what's going on? What? Why aren't the Packers as good as we thought they would be? You know, coming out of last year, why did they lose in the postseason when we thought they were the best team? Now, two years in a row. I mean, I started covering the Packers for locked on in 2017 when Aaron Rodgers breaks his collarbone in the middle of the year and it's Brett Hundley. And we're going, okay, what does Brett Hundley look like? How can they push this offense forward? How can they win games with Brett Hundley quarterback? And by the way, they did including a game against the bears, which I didn't bring up just to, just to needle the Bears fans, but that is a, a thing that happened. Um, that was really interesting for me. And so, you know, my, my sort of intellectual curiosity in, in terms of football and, and what that means is always going to be on is it going to make it harder to like needle Bears fans? Yeah, it it is. But you know, for me, m- so much more of my job, despite what some people on Bears Twitter will say, is um, you know discussing the Packers. That I'll always have interesting things to talk about. It's just this other this other thing, this relationship that I kind of like um, with with Bears fans is gonna is gonna change. It's gonna it's gonna change, and that's okay. You know, when, when I remember when Aaron Rodgers was getting crushed by Colin Cowherd and Skip Bayless, like everyone watched and listened to those shows in 2010 when the Packers won the Super Bowl because everyone wanted to hear how those guys were going to say, Oh, this is not, it's not as cool as you think it's, eh," you know, try and try and subvert um, the, the joy that Packers fans were feeling because that's what you do. I mean, that's, that's sort of the, the way that this all works. And I don't, you know, I, I didn't set out to be a, a big bad for Bears Twitter, but, you know, I, 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 I like the rivalry. I like the the back and forth. I like the dialogue and, and I try and have fun with it. Some people, I think, get a little more upset than they need to. Um, and that's, you know, it is what it is. Your fan is short for fanatic. Right. So I get it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, you brought up, let, let, let's start with the Packers and we'll, we'll obviously get into the game and, and the quarterbacks here, but you, but you mentioned, you know, flat out, obviously the Packers are not having the season that Packers media, national media, anyone expected. I mean, everyone had them chalked in to win the division and, you know, did some quick math before this, this meeting, obviously at four and eight, if they win out the fact that they lost to the Giants and Washington. I mean, they both those teams just basically need to win two games and the Packers are still eliminated. So even if the Packers win out, very bleak that they can even squeak into the playoffs as, as the seven seed. So, so what was it that D wrote? Let, let's leave the quarterback out of it. Were there other aspects of this team outside of the quarterback, which we're going to address completely separately here, that created
2: this, you know, this down season for Green Bay? Yeah, the defense did not live up to expectation. I mean, we expected this defense to be an elite unit. And it wasn't just me, you know, I'm Mina Kimes and, and Deontay Lee, who are really smart football people who have no connection to the Packers, who are like, no, this is one of the five most talented groups in the league. And, you know, I, I was making the case that they they can be, you know, on my show, what I said was the expectation should be that this is one of the best defenses in football. Like that's just what the expectation should be. Whether or not they are is a separate thing and a, a thing that they have to come up with in order to judge the quality of a team and whether someone, you know, is doing what we expect them to do, we have to be clear about what the expectations are. And the expectation for this defense was so much higher than what we've seen so far. And it is the regression of Darnell Savage. It is the aging of Adrian Amos, which, uh, you know, I I think frankly brings bears fans. No, no real joy, because I think he was a well-liked player in Chicago, um, despite a lot of Bears fans relishing the opportunity to say that they upgraded with Ha Clinton-Dix, um, and I, th- this defense is just not has not been anywhere near what we thought they could be. The pass rush has not been as good. Rashawn Gary now out. The interior with the upgrades with Jaron Reed and Devontae Wyatt just have has not met expectations, and and they were going they were really relying heavily on the rookie Quay Walker at linebacker to fundamentally alter the way that they play defense, relying a lot more on true nickel looks rather than some of these hybrid dime looks. And Quay has just been really inconsistent. He's, he's not been a net positive player for the Packers this year. I had a lot of problems with the way that they handled this offseason. Um, I, I had a lot of problems with the way that they handled the first round of the draft. And, and right now, um, I, I think those concerns are justified because Devontae Wyatt can't get on the field. And Quay Walker, you know, I think anytime you rely – on a rookie linebacker, that's that's bad, that's bad planning. Like most rookies are bad on any team everywhere. Most rookies are bad. And so if you're relying on a rookie to be an important part of your team, I think you've I think you've made a mistake somewhere, unless you're talking about a top five pick. You know, the the there are gonna be some good teams, like the Eagles might get a top 10 pick. Yeah, they might draft someone who they might they might be able to rely on, but they're already a good team, it's just different. Um this, this is, this was a weird approach and it turns out they're just not as good, not nearly as good as we thought. Part of that is Joe Barry. Part of that is personnel. All
1: right. Well move over to the offensive side of the ball because, and you talked about this, the off season and, and kind of disagreeing with what they did. Did you have a problem again, not knowing obviously the issues Aaron Rodgers were going to have, whether it's age or health, you know, we'll get into that next, but approaching the weapons for Aaron Rodgers and the, very, let's call it just substandard wide receiving core. I know Christian Watson seems to be kind of coming into his own the last few weeks here, but I mean, it's, you know, a, a one of the bottom five receiving cores in the NFL. I don't think anyone's really going to argue against that. You know, was, was that an issue or were you a Aaron, make anyone look good kind of stance? Where
2: where were you with that? I I think they it's hard because I felt like you, you go back to 2015 and Aaron Rodgers was playing with Devontae Adams on a bum ankle when Devontae Adams was getting dragged for not. Be, I mean, I remember Matt Harmon, who does reception perception at Yahoo, posting a gif of the dog trying to catch a ball and it hitting him in the face about Devontae Adams. I don't know what, like for whatever reason, that just sticks out in my mind. And he was he was not good that year. And Randall Cobb was in and out of the lineup. And then you're talking about Jared Aberderis and Jeff Janis. Well, that offense was still a top half of the league offense. And Aaron Rodgers, I think, was like QB8 in fantasy that year. Like, it, like I know fantasy is a weird, nebulous thing sometimes, but I think that tells you the production was still net there. The fact that this group has looked this bad is a reflection, I think, a, a lot on injuries. Randall Cobb has been hurt. Uh, Alan Lazard has been hurt. Christian Watson has been hurt. Romeo Dobbs has been hurt, but it's also that Aaron Rodgers has been hurt. And I thought coming into the year, Aaron Rodgers playing like MVP 2020, 2021, Aaron Rodgers could elevate this group because in 2015, coming off an MVP season, he did that on a team that the defense carried them for stretches, but when they needed them, the offense came through, even if it was throwing Hail Marys to Jeff Janis in a playoff game, right? So I thought they they would be able to ham and egg an offense together that was good enough because I thought the defense would be good enough. I don't think even if the defense was a top, top, top 10 kind of group that that would have changed that much because the offense until the last three, four weeks just hasn't been able to score enough points. and, And that's been, to me, the biggest issue with this team is offensively. They're underperforming. That's partially on Aaron Rodgers. That's partially on the coaches. That's partially on the offensive line. Some of those guys ha- have not acclimated as quickly as, as they could have. And then part of that is just injuries. Sometimes, you know, I, I don't know if we're allowed to curse on this podcast, but you know, stuff happens.
1: Yeah. Well, shit does happen. Yeah. We can curse. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well let's talk about Aaron Rodgers because obviously that's the central figure of the Packers and has been and should be but mm-hmm. let's let's just kind of jump to this here and talk about Aaron Rodgers who he is as a quarterback in 2022. I know n- none of us really knew anything about this thumb and now he's got the the rib thing going on. You know, looks like all signs are pointing to him him playing against uh against Chicago this weekend. Looks like Justin Fields is probably going to play, which I don't think is a smart move. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later here. But Aaron Rodgers, I mean, some of the stuff I've seen on film and watching his games and stuff sure maybe there's something going on with the thumb but there's also like a processing thing to me like the, some of those throws and like where he just knows and 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 anticipates like that seems to be missing as well so where are you with Aaron Rodgers the quarterback in 2022 is he starting to fade or is this
2: just an injury riddled season uh, it's so hard to know like i think when when you look back at some of the situations that he's been in 2015 2018 um even parts of 2019 when he does not feel comfortable that's whether that's in the pocket or with his receivers he reverts to some bad habits some hero ball kind of stuff he wants to throw i mean the the joke for the first middle part of the season was you know if if the packers get punched in the mouth the other team comes down and scores that it's going to be three deep shots three and out and a punt like that's just that's just what it, what it was and there was a perfect evidence of that against the giants you know the Giants get a little bit of momentum. They they, um, have a couple of nice drives. And Aaron Rodgers takes three deep shots. They punt the ball, and the game was essentially over at that point because the offense never got back on track. Um, the Giants, I think, scored twice more, a uh, touchdown and a field goal, and ended up winning that game. So, part of it is decision making. I mean, to your point, the processing part of it. Um, I thought um, there's been some really good um, analysis of it. Um, whether it's you know some of the local guys um, or you know the QB school YouTube page, which is great, um, on some of the decision making, where it's like, okay, I don't, I'm not in the room. Um, I, you know, I think JTO Sullivan does a great job of saying, like, look, I'm not in the room, but normally in these situations, you read, you know, you read this concept this way against middlefield close or middlefield open or whatever it is, and Rodgers just isn't doing that. And I, I think one of the reasons is over the last couple of years, Devonte Adams has been able to say. Um, I think Nate Tice made this point on, on the athletic football show podcast. Devonte Adams allowed him to say, fuck the route. I'm just throwing to Devonte," and I'm quoting from Nate now. Um, and they don't have that guy this year. You have to read out the concepts and you have to let the offense do the work. And there are times when Rogers just doesn't do that. And if, there's no clear explanation for why, like, I, I think the Rogers apologists are going to say, yeah, the thumb, but the thumb and even Matt LaFleur was like, yeah, but I, we watched him play awesome against Dallas, and that's in the middle of a thumb injury. So what is the excuse for the week after when he doesn't play well or the week before when he doesn't play well, when he's missing reads, missing guys open, late to throws, or um, coming off guys for no reason? And, and they, some of it is just weird um, stuff that is, is, is really hard to, to explain. I think only Aaron Rodgers could explain it. Um, And so is that decline is that circumstance? I don't really know. All I know is when he plays well, when he wants to make some of these, you know, top one percentile kind of throws, um, he can do that. He can still do that. It's just the consistency. And I I don't know. And I think that makes it really tough for the Packers, by the way, moving forward, trying to make decisions on, you know, is this the guy that you want to roll with or, or are you ready to see Jordan love? I don't, I don't know.
1: Do you think he's disinterested in the season? Because from an outside perspective, it certainly, certainly feels that way, especially when basically his best game has been against Mike McCarthy, where I do think Rodgers has that <laughs> Michael Jordan <laughs> grudge like oh, yeah. I want – like, and I think there's a big reason why he's playing wants to play against the Bears is because I don't think he knows his future past this season and he wants to crush Chicago one more time. I think if he was playing Jacksonville this weekend, I don't know if he'd be playing, but I think he wants to play the Bears just like he wanted to show up Mike McCarthy. So I think that's his attitude. You tell me if I'm wrong, but a lot of no, the I other think times, I, feel, right. like, I, think, I, I, think I feel he's disinterested.
2: I think you're you're right on about wanting to play the Bears one more time. Do I like I don't know that I think he's disinterested? I think that he's certainly um, motivated differently now. Um, I think he knows deep down, and I think he probably has known for a couple of weeks now that this team just isn't it, that they're not going to be able to compete for a Super Bowl, and, and that might affect, you know, his willingness to, you know, to, to stand in there and take hits. I mean, that's the other thing. And this has been a trend the last couple of years. Pressure has been a real problem for him. And it is because, and this is the same is true for Tom Brady. They just don't want to stand in there and take hits. Like you watch Josh Allen. You watch Patrick Mahomes. Those guys are still young and dumb. And they will stand in there and take those shots and make throws. And, you know, I say dumb sort of facetiously, but they, they don't have 15 years accumulated of hits. And so I think that that, that matters too. Like when the pocket – Rodgers needs it to be a little cleaner. And, you know, I, I, that's the thing about a week like this is like, well, the Bears can't rush the passer. So if you can't make it difficult for, for Rodgers – he's gonna he's gonna eat you up like he can still do that and like dallas dallas couldn't get after him they couldn't pressure him and that was a really good job by this offensive line against the marcus lawrence and Mike parsons didn't get a ton of brushing opportunities that's against a much better defensive front than the bears have so i think not only does he want to play the bears one more time i think he sees an opportunity to put up some numbers because mike white just hung 30 on this team and he's going well what what can i do
1: Oh and and look the the bears Mike White at least dealt with Eddie Jackson for part of the game Eddie Jackson's out for the year brisker and gordon are, are are still on uh concussion protocol they did not play uh you know for the first two days of practice here so the anemic defense that the bears was is even more anemic so being perfectly frank i expect Rodgers to go out in a blaze of glory here and throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns i i just i i really don't think there's any way that they're going to be able to stop him plus they're not going to be able to get a rush so he is going to get a clean pocket because they don't have anyone up front either they have jack sanborn who's a udfa rookie and that's that's literally the only guy performing on their defense right now so so,
2: and they can eat hey, Wisconsin legend, Jack Sanborn. How dare you? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that's the thing, but <laughs> all he has to do is not throw it towards Jalen Johnson's way. And there's literally no one else on the defense that can do anything. So I, I think it has the potential to be ugly defensively, but uh, b- beyond this game, because I, I know then they got the buy coming up and, you know, win, win or lose. Like I said, the, the math just doesn't look good for, for the Packers, even if they, they win this game, which I expect them to do. After the bye, does it make sense to you to just shut down Aaron Rodgers for the year and let Jordan see what you got in Jordan Love?
2: Yeah, it does. Sorry, say hi to my son. Um, y- yeah, I think it does uh, make sense to do that. After coming out of the bye, I'm like one more one more time with Aaron Rodgers, um, one last ride against Chicago, and then and then you got to see what you have in, in Jordan Love. And I think part of that is because you have a decision to make this offseason. I mean, you have to figure out what, what you have. Um, and and that means. Is it that is going to be your quarterback next year? Is it Jordan Love? Um, Can you get something for Jordan Love? So there's a showcase element to all of this. Um, I, I think that, I think it's a great opportunity to play some of the young guys. And I think Aaron Rodgers saying after the game on Sunday, again, a willingness to say, I want to play until we're eliminated. But after that, I understand the motivations. That's very different than 2018 when he said, no, I'm playing. I'm playing because I'm the quarterback. Because this is my team. Now he didn't say all that, but that was the implication. Was just like, no, I'm playing, I'm playing. If I'm healthy, I'm playing. And he didn't say that. And I think that speaks to maybe a humility that he's developed a little bit, but also just um, you know, I, I think an understanding of this is in particular. All
1: right. Well, let, let's let's say that you're part of Packers brass. Let's say they do shut down Rogers and Love is pretty good, right? What, what I think what you'd expect makes some good throws, makes some mistakes. He doesn't look like Patrick Mahomes, but he doesn't look like Nathan Peterman either. What would you want to do at this point? Would you want to try and trade Rodgers, hope Rodgers retires, move to Jordan Love? I mean, look, they're running out of time with, with Rodgers, or with, I'm sorry, with Love on the contract too. Decisions have to be made. So what, what, what would you want the Packers, if you don't know what the
2: Packers are going to do, what would you want the Packers to do this offseason? I think it depends on Aaron Rodgers' appetite for a trade. Um, because if he's saying, look, I want to either finish my, my career here or retire, he can certainly, um, threaten that. Now, do I think he's going to walk away from 60 guaranteed million dollars? Um, this year? No. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is playing in 2023, write that in ink, um, whether it's in green Bay or not, I think is really the only question. And, and you can't, you can't figure that out until you see Jordan love. So to your point, like, let's say Jordan Love looks like. He can be Jimmy G, right? Like he can push the buttons on the offense, um, but can't elevate them. Now, I think his ability to make second reaction plays, and we saw it, um, you know, there was an off-schedule throw that was really nice. That's something that he's been able to do over the course of his college career. Can he translate it to the NFL? You know, I think that, that if he can be just like a quality guy, then not only are you saying, you know, maybe he's not a world beater, but. Then you're adding in whatever you can get for him. Like, what would the Jets give up to get Aaron Rodgers? What would the Panthers give up to get Aaron Rodgers? What would the Colts give up to get Aaron Rodgers? And then you're saying, okay, what is better for the team? Uh, two first round like the Russell Wilson package uh, and Jordan Love, or Aaron Rodgers in no cap space? I think that the, I, to me, there's an obvious answer there. If Jordan Love looks like a competent NFL starter, And so I think, I think for me, it's time to, it's time to see what the deal is with Jordan Love. I think it's time. Um, Do I, is that the decision I think the Packers are going to make? I think until we see, unless and until we see Jordan Love more, I don't know that I can say that for sure. All right. Two quick ones for you before I let you
1: go. First, I got to ask what do you think the Packers do with Elton Jenkins? Because with the Luke Getze tie and the woeful offensive line, uh, that, that Chicago has. Bears fans are definitely circling him as, as a, one of the top targets
2: in the offseason. Do you think he hits the free agent market? I don't because the Packers don't let players that they drafted who have been good uh, leave. They just don't. Um, and, you know, they, they have made some mistakes in the past on players, but it's, on, it's players who were, you know, like Micah Hyde, for example, who was not playing the position that he went to Buffalo and succeeded. Um, I don't think they made, you know, they obviously Casey Hayward left and and ended up playing really well for the Chargers. That was in a different defense than the Packers wanted to run. And he wasn't as good in Green Bay as he ended up being somewhere else. I mean, sometimes players get better or players are just in the right situation. So I just don't see the Packers letting a young player that they absolutely love who has been so versatile for them. It's played all over. Um, I don't see them letting him walk. I think I think they would rather move on from David Bakhtiari and let Elton and pay Elton Jenkins like a tackle than let Elton Jenkins walk out the door.
1: All right. And I'll, I'll put you on the spot here. Um, Rogers is gone and obviously they're ridiculous hypotheticals, but I'm going to give you a ridiculous hypothetical. Let's Who do would it? You'd Rather have as your quarterback for the next 10 years with the, uh, body of work you've seen Justin Fields or Jordan Love?
2: Oh, come on, Peter. I I don't like this question at all, Bill. Um, Peter, I think if you'd have asked me this question six weeks ago, I would have said Jordan Love pretty easily. Um, but and and now, now I don't know. Now I don't have a good answer for you. Um, yes, you do. You just don't want to speak it aloud. No, I will, I will have a good answer in three weeks. Like if, if the Packers get a chance to see Jordan love, I think at the end of this year, we'll know for sure. I, I, there's, there's just not enough. I, I, I think the answer is Justin Fields because we haven't seen enough from Jordan love, not just because Justin Fields is still on the rookie contract, because the the feat is dynamic because I thought he was a better prospect coming out than Jordan love because of age, because of all those things. I do still have misgivings about his ability as a passer Um, I think at a certain point, you have to be able to make throws in structure, and he has not shown that he can do that. Um, But the playmaking is incredible. What he can do with the ball in his hands is special. Um, I I think right now, Jordan Love is, is a better thrower. I think he's a better processor. I think he's a better pure passer. How do you balance those two things? I think that's a really difficult question. And, and, and frankly, Bill, I think it's a question a lot of teams are going to ask themselves moving forward here about draft prospects because we've seen a lot of these quarterbacks. It is hard for Joe Burrow if he doesn't have his guys and things aren't perfect. Like they scored 20 against Tennessee um, without Jamar Chase. It, these, these pure processor quarterbacks, um, it's, it's so tough for them. Josh Allen can create off schedule and win from the pocket Patrick Mahomes can create off schedule and win from the pocket those are the special quarterbacks in the league right now and I think the more that Lamar Jackson same thing Justin Herbert even to a degree I mean I think if he weren't such a processing robot and and ran a little bit more it might actually benefit him a little bit because he is such a great athlete um uh, it's it's very tantalizing to think of what that could look like. But I think that the same is true for Jordan Love. So it's it's tough. I think the answer is Justin Fields, but I, I reserve the right to change my mind in three weeks if, if Jordan Love gets to play and looks really good. All
1: right. And and the one thing I'll say about that is I think the Fields passing argument is, is a bit overblown. And I understand if you're just looking at this body of work, but he is one of the worst offensive lines in the league. He probably has the worst supporting cast in or in, in the league, if not the worst bottom three. And he doesn't have time to throw. And I mean, you, you know, St. Brown, your, your old pal there, he, he's dropping key, key balls against Miami. Dallas Jones was is a bad rookie. He's dropping key balls. It's, it's been ugly to watch how little support he's gotten. But, uh, you know, next year, I think we'll, we'll really see about the passing game because you know they're going to infuse a lot of talent with the amount of money they have. And obviously, they're going to have some high draft picks. So, Peter, as I, as I let you go, any parting words for all the Bears fans you love so much?
2: Um. Wow. You're really putting me on the spot. Um. God. Now I feel like I wish I would have had a quip ready, and I don't have one ready. Um. No. I just. You know. I. I can't. I can't wait. Honestly, for the next. For the next era, whatever's. Whatever's post Rodgers, I. I kind of can't wait for it. Whatever. Whatever comes. And well, it, the
1: Bears fans. Uh, they're they're ready for post Rodgers as well. I
2: can promise you. <laughs> I, I bet they are. Um. And and look. If if Justin Fields is awesome, by the way, I, I loved him coming out. I will say so. And and I, I know that they don't think that's true, but it is true. Um, if if Justin Fields is awesome and develops and continues to develop, I will say so. And I think Packer fans are actually a little annoyed that over the last couple of weeks, when Justin Fields has been out there, that I have been very complimentary of Justin Fields. So um it is it is just just something I'm gonna throw out there. And
1: I do believe you because you were on this podcast for the Bears Packers week one, 2019, which was the Mitch Trubisky debacle when, when Bears fans realized what that 2018 wasn't going to be uh, replicating itself. And you did pick the Bears to win the division with me. So I will give you credit there, but there you picked the Bears to win that game. Yes, you did. You absolutely did. So that was uh that was an eye-opening for in in a the bad way. That was eye-opening for a lot of people <laughs> that, that week. Uh, let Mitch Trubisky. We just let him play quarterback. That that quote will live on forever. Uh, there he is, Peter underscore Bukowski, and of course, locked on Packers. Uh, you know him all very well on Twitter. Peter, thanks so much, and uh, enjoy your beef stew.
2: <laughs> thanks, Bill. All right,
1: there he is, Peter Bukowski. Everybody, you know him well. I'm sure you do. You know, usually I say, you know, make sure you follow this guy on Twitter. I'm not going to say that about Peter. Look, if you want Packers content, if you want to spar with Peter, then absolutely give Peter a follow. But I'm not going to tell Bears fans to make sure they follow Peter Bukowski so he can them. So now, Peter did mention one thing, though. You notice that. He kind of hinted that he was expecting the tables to turn on this this uh, rivalry a little bit. Did, did you notice that? Like, I think Peter recognizes what position the Bears are in and what position the Packers are in. You know, he didn't say oh, things are about to change for the Bears' favor. But he did kind of, he almost softened it. Like, oh, I'm looking forward to something kind of new with this rivalry. So Peter knows what's up. And and look, Bears fans, I did the best I could. I got him to say, let's move on from Aaron Rodgers. You heard that. And it took a little, but he said Justin Fields is better than Jordan Love. Now look, we all know Justin Fields is better than Jordan Love, but it's nice to have Peter Bukowski say it. Am I wrong? Yeah, you know, you know I'm right. All right, last thing here before we wrap this up, and this is more on Justin Fields and Bears fans. I'm going to address some of you, and I don't know if you're on Twitter and in my mentions and listening to this podcast. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But I tweeted out, you know, Justin Fields here with the latest news that he's, you know, a participant, full participant in practice. That certainly makes you think, not limited, full participant, that makes you think he's going to be playing this Sunday against the Packers, especially being it's only, you know, there's still a couple days left here. That certainly seems like we're heading in that direction. And look, I tweeted out that I think this is stupid. And I stand fully by the fact that this is stupid. But a lot of Bears fans, a lot of you came at me and called me stupid. And then, look, that's fine. I, I am. You know, I'm, I'm shocked y'all listen to this podcast in my inane opinions, but I appreciate every single one of you. But when it does come to this Justin Fields injury and playing him, and I'm not sitting here going, you know, look, at this point in the season, it makes sense, you know, from a big picture perspective to want the best draft pick possible. Obviously, they're not making the playoffs. They're not even going to sniff competing for a playoff spot. So yeah, it makes sense there. But that my, my tweet isn't about tanking for a a, a spot, a better draft pick. This tweet is about protecting Justin Fields. First of all, you sit there and say, well, if Justin Fields wants to play, he should play. No, no, no. Justin Fields is an athlete and he's uber competitive. So if Justin Fields says, coach, I can go out there and I can play, that doesn't necessarily mean he should play. That means he can play. And it is up to the training staff, the medical staff, and the coaching staff to protect athletes From themselves, we see athletes all the time try and play through things that maybe they shouldn't. But you sit there and go, "It's a playoff game. It's a key game." You know, so you sit there and and say, "All right, well, that's why they're doing." All right, this is the Packers, and I get it's the Packers. There is a bye next week, a bye. All right, so he sits out last week. If he sits out against the Packers and sits out against the bye, you know, with the bye, and then plays the following week. You've got a full four weeks of him not getting any contact on that shoulder and letting it heal and calm down a little bit. It's going to be two weeks. It's going to be half that amount of time so he can get out there against the Packers. And I understand the Packers' defense hasn't been what what it was supposed to be, but Preston Smith's all over the place lately. And, And the fact that this offensive line is Swiss cheese right now and it's banged up the, the, the mediocre players they did have out there aren't, aren't healthy. So you're going to put all this in front of Justin Fields and tell him to go out there and try and beat the Packers. Why are we risking injury? Oh, and you should just say, oh, well, you know, if they let him play, that's, you know, he's healthy, or if they let him play, he can't risk further injury. No, no, they're probably going to shoot him up so his shoulder feels better and then have him go out there and play that's probably what's going to happen. You can sit there and say, oh, well, Justin Fields won't want his shoulder to get, you know, shot up. Well, that's nice. But, you know, if if, if he, he can't move his arm very well, that's what they're going to do. So you sit there and tell me that if Justin Fields can play, he should play. Uh, and I guarantee you, a lot of you who are saying that goes, well, they, you want to beat the Packers. I get it. We all want to beat the Packers. But you got to look at the big picture here. And there is no reason to risk anything with Justin Fields right now. Look, I understand you want a few more reps and you want them to practice and, you know, get game experience. There's still plenty of games left. Give them a few more weeks to heal. You got a Lions and a Vikings game where the Vikings are almost certainly going to play nothing but backups the final game of the year because they're probably going to have like the two seed locked up at that point. So why don't you just wait a little bit? And I'm not saying shut them down for the year, but just let the man rest a little bit. This shouldn't even be a question but it's the Green Bay Packers. And I'm guessing, and this is, I am not spouting any sourced information, but I'm guessing how much George McCaskey is obsessed with the Green Bay Packers I would not be surprised if his head is poking around. Maddie Oberfluss and Ryan po- Ryan Polls. His office is going. How's Justin feeling? How's Justin feeling? Is he going to play? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I'd love for Ma to k- get a win against the Packers here. I guarantee you, that's happening. It, it just just knowing George and, and how he speaks and what he talks about when he does address the media and the fans. That is such a huge deal for him. We know Virginia's ninety nine years old. She's going to be hundred in about a month. And I guarantee you Georgia's sitting there going, this might be mom's last Bears-Packers game and I'd love for her to see Aaron Rodgers lose to our new franchise quarterback. I'm sure that's part of the decision and I'm sorry that cannot be part of the decision. Justin Fields has proven this year that he is the franchise quarterback and the team sucks and they're injured and there's no talent around them. Now Moody's out, he's got no one to throw to. people, people, people just let him sit down for a month. He can play after the bye, but let him rest that shoulder. My God, I was shocked. When I tweeted that out, I just assumed everyone's going to be like, absolutely, this is ridiculous. And yes, there were some responses. I'm not saying it was all, but the amount of fans that came at me and thought my take was stupid was shocking to me. Let the man rest. Now, Before we go, we always give you a prediction. Let's give you a prediction on this Bears-Packers game. I'm going to assume Aaron Rodgers plays, and now I'm going to assume that Justin Fields plays. So will the offense look better than it did last week against the Jets? Absolutely it will. You have a lesser defense, and you have a much better quarterback. How much is Justin Fields going to run? I don't know. Uh, He should not be running a lot, because I guarantee you Packers defenders are going to try and hit him in the shoulder. That's what any NFL team is going to do. That is not me trying to make the Packers dirty. That's just what happens out there. Robert Salas said it last week. If Justin Fields plays, we're going to hit him. Like, that's the NFL mentality. So you're going to expose Justin Fields to that? Fine. Whatever. I've said my piece. Aaron Rodgers lit up Mike McCarthy. Aaron Rodgers is playing this week after saying he understands if they want him to be shut down. Like, he's all for it. You know, He's disinterested in the season, but he is not disinterested in playing the Chicago Bears. He wants to crush The Chicago Bears, he knows this might be his final season in Green Bay. He doesn't know what's on the horizon for him. So he wants one more shot at the Packers in, or at the Bears in Chicago in front of those fans, us one more time. And there is no reason for me to think that Aaron Rodgers, if he wants it, won't deliver. So I think it's going to be ugly. I'm not saying bet against the Bears, but bet against the Bears. I think this is a blowout. And I'm going to call it Packers 38, Bears 20. We'll see if I'm right, and we'll talk to you next week. Bear it out, everybody. Adios.